You're listening to Real Estate for Real People, hosted by the Stone Sisters. The Stone Sisters have built an award-winning realty business, and they're here to share some of their knowledge with you. A new episode drops every Thursday. If you enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And visit www.stonesisters.com for more information just like this. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Real Estate for Real People. I'm Tamara. This is Shannon. And we are really excited. We've got a great guest today. We have a guest who should actually somehow have two hats on her head because she <laughs> somehow was able to do these two things. So Renee Merrifield is a, is a phenomenal woman. She is the CEO of a phenomenal company here, development company called Troika Developments, as well as being an MLA for the Okanagan Mission. So Welcome, Renee. We got so many things to talk about. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. And thanks for hosting this podcast. It's so it's so necessary. Yep. Well, yep. thank you. So when before we started, you had said, yeah, Troika, you've been with Troika CEO of 22 years. And I think my jaw dropped. So can you explain 22 years you've well, been doing that? Well, you started it. This is your baby. That's right. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, you know, it was back in the 90s. Uh, there were no jobs. It was an NDP government. Oh, there's the two hats. Um, <laughs> NDP government, the economy was, it was tanked. And I mean, for those of us that were around in the 90s, remember, there were no jobs. Uh, and especially for you know seven month pregnant women, that was not a real uh, a, a real um, enhancer to an interview process. Was walking in, um, <laughs> so inevitably the question would come up: When are you due? Which uh, didn't really uh, give me a job very quickly. So I started working for developers off you know as a consultant. You know mm-hmm. what is that job worth? I'll do it. And um, but as I started getting into the development industry, I saw a need for a difference, a, a different way, a different company, a company that was more about uh, sustainability and all aspects of sustainability. Yes, environmental sustainability, but also economic sustainability. We needed mm. jobs. We needed you know sustenance within our community. We needed someone that was building for those that wanted to live, work, and play here, uh, yeah. as well as really enhance how we could move forward as a as a community and as a society. And then the other aspects of sustainability, whether that's social or cultural, and and looking at that holistically through values and a vision, and and you know as Simon Sinek would say, the why of why we yes. are here. So I uh, I built a business plan all around those aspects. And after a council presentation I made on behalf of another developer, I had a gentleman approach me and say, I, you know, if you ever decide to go out on your own, let me know. And I was like, well, can we have coffee? Here's my five-year business plan and uh, launched in the next year. So wow, it was amazing. Uh, it was a fast trajectory, um, but having the right elements and, and really the right shift in government uh, in, you know, 2000 to 2001, the BC Liberals took over. And uh, again, those of us that were in our community all of a sudden saw a different energy, a different hope, a different, um, a different economic uh, generator that mm-hmm. took place. And I just happened to be right at that beginning of the wave and surfed it all the way along. Amazing. So quick question is Trejka, where did the name come from? Oh, well, it's a Slavic word. Uh, You know, I'd say Russian, but I don't. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's a Slavic word and it's a team of horses pulling together. Uh, Part of our economic sustainability mantra is that it's not the cult of one. It's not based on one person, one charisma, 
one, you know, idea. It's a collective. So I didn't name it the Merrifield Development Company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I named it after, you know, the team that I wanted to build and I wanted to see. And in large part is still there today and has grown and expanded. And as we've expanded across Western Canada, some of our partners have expanded into Alberta, et cetera. So it's been very exciting and definitely uh, really alludes to how we how we do things differently. Yeah, amazing. Like, And just to, that you had that vision and then you know, filled it with the people, I guess, is, is sort of what you did, you know, which is incredible. Way back. Way back. Yeah. And you are involved in a lot of different developments here. You've got, um, so maybe you can talk about those actually before I go in and start talking about them. No. So we've got 13 active developments in either development or construction currently. 13. In, yeah, 13. Wow. But those 13 are actually in nine different municipalities and four provinces. Wow. So it gives wow. you an idea just of scope and scale. Um we, we have been expanding uh, over the course of the last 22 years and are in all four provinces from Manitoba West. And we're proud of our projects, whether it's uh, partnering with uh, landholders and really optimizing their, uh, their land holdings, um, or whether it's uh, becoming partners with some of our Indigenous uh, you know, neighbors and making sure that we're part of reconciliation or whether that's looking at our community and saying, where's the missing link? Where's the missing metal? And really trying to, to backfill that and supply for it. So we've got exciting projects and yes, we've got projects up in Prince George where we're looking at seniors housing and, and looking at how to supply to their current needs. Uh, and, and in Merritt, we've got, you know, our project in Regina, which uh, has the most amount of affordable housing that we've ever created, but that exists in Regina as well in terms of their overall project size. So, wow. you know, we're just, we're, we're really proud of what we do. And it's always got that why. It's always got that little bit of an edge on, uh, on, moving, on moving our communities forward. It's wow. so amazing. So I think we could do a whole other podcast on how do you balance? How do you be a mom? How do you like it? Yeah. It's incredible. So we'll save that whole conversation for, for another time. Yeah, and but, please, like, yeah. we should probably have my kids sitting here at that time. And they, could, they could give you a good idea. I've met yeah. your kids. They're great. So, yeah. It's, so, so that's your development hat that you wear, and you wear it well. And, and the expansion and, and growth, you know, you've created a phenomenal company that, that really has a very reputable name, People seek out your projects, and and mm -hmm. and you've you've got a great reputation. What led you into politics? What tell us about that? You know, about three years ago, it might have been four years ago. Now, uh, COVID kind of removed a couple years from my life. <laughs> but about four years ago, I, I met with our executive team, and I was very conscious of founder syndrome and not wanting to fall into the trap of believing that I was the only one with a great idea and a great vision forward. And I also saw new talent coming up through the ranks within Troika. And I knew that I had to some way get out of the way from those mm -hmm. ideas. And, you know, I was moving into a different part of my life where I was looking for more of the legacy, more of the give back, rather than, you know, that propulsion forward and that propulsion into further expansion, et cetera. So I, uh, I met with the executive team and I, I indicated, you know, in the next Three to five years, I'm going to be looking for something different. And it is going to be that legacy. It is going to be, you know, um, really trying to change the world. <laughs> and even if it's the world of one person, that's okay. But I wanted to, to have an impact in a different way. 
And I had a lot of um, board opportunities at that time and was very excited about the the different companies and organizations that I was a part of. Uh, but I also was looking at two things. One was either doing my PhD and mm-hmm. uh, and continuing on in the research. My research from my dissertation for my master's was on profitability and self-awareness and executives in Canada. So I had an opportunity to continue on in my research and thought, well, maybe I'll do a PhD uh, or I'll go into politics. <laughs> and those are yeah. two very juxtaposed. <laughs> but the, for those of us in the housing industry or those of us in any real industry, I've seen this um, this move in politics over the course of the last couple decades where it's become more and more bureaucratic and more and mm-hmm. more layered um, uh, effect of of, of law and and rules and regulations and and so I, I you know I had some concerns and and also wanted to be one of the ones that you know I didn't want to just complain I wanted yeah. to get out there and do something to make a difference so good for um, you because it was one of those it, two things not an easy choice it, you no. know it, it I can't to be honest I can't imagine going into politics and <laughs> facing all the criticism and you know we, we were talking about that a bit before we started um, recording and just uh, the spotlight, having the spotlight on you all the time isn't easy. For no mm-hmm. real recognition when you're actually out there trying to make a difference and make the world better. Yeah. And that was very shocking to me is that um, the impact of uh, social media and of uh, negative press mm-hmm. and people being mm-hmm. able to say and, and communications experts and, 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 you know, political strategists being able to say whatever they wanted to say about you without actually it being true. It yeah, was, yes. it was, it was very eye opening for me and, and definitely had me shift some of what I did, but I, I, I made a decision. I don't want to, I don't want that to take away my voice. I would rather stand up proudly against that and say, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. And really have enough people know me and know my heart and know who I am to say, wait, that's not who she is. That's not what she's about. And it's doing things like this, like you getting to come out and and share share some of what you you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just like, you know, standing on the corner, um, being rejected from actually not rejected from my loan, uh, back 20 years ago, but being told I had to have a male co-signer for my first loan. And uh, I said, a male co-signer, what do you mean by a male co-signer? They said, well, like, I don't know, like your dad or maybe your husband. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, is this a joke right now? Um, but this no, was it wasn't only a joke. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And wow. I, I walked out of the office all like, you know, defiant and no, I'll make my own way. And it was one of the big five banks. I won't say which one, but down on the corner of Bernard and, and uh, Alice, no, I'm just joking. Um, but, <laughs> but there I was standing there and just tears streaming down my face going, I just wanted to give up. I thought, yeah. you know, I've done all this work. I've, I've, I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears, my, my credit cards, all my lines of credit, everything that I have or own or could own into this, um, into this work and into this project. And, and in that moment, I thought, no, if I give up, every other woman who comes into those offices or those doors will be judged by me giving up not by me moving forward. It's like, there has to be a way. I have to do this, not just for me, but for everyone who, who comes behind. And so I, I went kitty corner to the credit union, Valley first, and I marched in there and I still, I probably looked just a mess. And I still remember the, <laughs> the commercial agent that I, that, that, that I talked to, um, his name is Dwight Folk. 
And, uh, and he's like, no, I think we could do that for you as I laid out all my documentation. And, wow. you know, eight weeks later, Valley First funded it. And it was one of the reasons I decided to be a board member for, for First West was because they gave me my very first loan and believed in me when the big five wouldn't. Um, wow. But, uh, you know, wow. I, suffice to say, it, you know, I fast forward to today and I knew that just over the, the course of the last year and all the negativity that I, I mean, I, I walked into the ledge and it was like I had a bullseye on my back. And I'm like, why is it here? Like, I'm just, yeah. I, why are the, why is this bullseye here? And I realized, you know what? If I give in to the bullseye, if I silence myself because of that bullseye, I silence the voices of everyone who comes behind me. Wow. No, take the hits, change the trajectory, change how we move forward, change the culture of politics. And we can actually have a better future together. Mm-hmm. Wow. The ledge being the le- legislature. Oh, yes. yes. Sorry. The, yeah. the, the legislative leg- assembly. Is that a new restaurant? <laughs> I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> actually, that would be a good restaurant. Yeah, well to yeah. 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 Okay, <laughs> okay wow. that's our third idea. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Wow. I'm in. So let's talk about, I mean, a new thing that we've got in BC that I think is going to come across mm-hmm. Canada is this holding period. So do you, do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, the cooling off period. The cooling, cooling off period, yeah. thank you. I, I'm not sure it's going to go across Canada right now, I'll be honest. I think okay. that you're, you're going to see some Good. others stand up against it. Uh, and the large reason uh, that you'll see people standing up against it is it's not going to work. So yes, we get to be the test case, but it's not going to work. And 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 for those who who are listening, who perhaps aren't, aren't familiar with mm-hmm. it or not located in BC, can you can you give a bit of a description for for what this cooling off period is? And- sure. So uh, the uh, the NDP government through um, BC FSA is going to create basically a. Um, after you put in an offer for uh, a property, it'll be, it's called a cooling off period. So it'll be, we don't know how many days. We're not exactly how sure how long. We're not sure what the terms will, will be um, or the deposit terms, et cetera. But it's basically an opportunity for you to back out of the deal. Mm-hmm. And it uh, originally was promoted as a way to get out of the bids mm-hmm. that were happening in the blind bids and, and not being able to see uh, the property, et cetera. What I think will end up happening, though, because of it, is that you'll end up having a purchaser put in multiple bids on multiple different properties and really paralyze or sterilize the opportunity for others to get in on those properties during that time. I also think it's in a hot market. It sounds really good, but in a downturn or in any sort of slower market, it will be devastating, Mm -hmm. devastating to a homeowner. Oh, um, I don't, I think, you know, the, the, from my understanding of it and, and you're right, nothing has been laid out clearly mm-hmm. there, there isn't anything definitive yet. Um, but, but looking at it, I mean, it's, it's, you know, supposed to help the homeowners and protect the, you know, the buyers and sellers. And in fact, I think it's, it's going to set people back. Absolutely. And what we saw, uh, um, within, um, the ledge, sorry, the legislative assembly and even the minister who's in charge, which is the minister of finance on this particular bill, uh, she backpedaled and originally she said, it's going to, you know, it's to cool off the market. And in the end, she's like, well, it's really about consumer protection okay, you know what? We don't need a consumer protection bill. We have enough law. We have agents representing our, yeah. our, you know, our customers. There really isn't a reason for it. And having been in the development industry for 22 years, we already have a cooling off because yes. you can't see the product. You can't right. actually tour it. You can't right. test it, et cetera, um, because these are pre-sales and it's happening in a pre-sale climate. But I also have the opportunity over the next 
I don't know, four months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months to resell that property um, without any without any penalty to me, whereas a homeowner doesn't have that same opportunity. I think the right. other unintended mm-hmm. consequence that we need to be eyes wide open to is the use of um, these contracts and this cooling off period to be used in money laundering. So I know oh, as a developer how many rules and regulations I have to go through when I process someone's deposit. And, you know, we as a company chose, we're never doing cash, we're never doing, like, yeah. there are a whole bunch of things that we yeah. put as, in as checks and balances. This bill does not have that right now. We have no details on how the bill is going to be enacted. If I'm a bad person with a lot of illegal money, what can I do? Well, I can go and put 10 offers, 20 offers, 30 offers, give you my deposit money. What are you going to do? Well, you have to cash it by law. You right. have to put it in your trust account. I right. don't, as a developer, have to put it into a trust account necessarily in the same expediency because they have the cooling off period. So you do. So wow. now what happens? You now write me a check back if right. I, and if I crash that deal. And now you've just cleaned my money for me. Wow. So there's a huge loophole here that doesn't need to be there. There is a solution. There was one proposed by the BC Real Estate Association Mm -hmm. that was absolutely elegant, which is do the due diligence ahead of time. Me as a homeowner, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get my property inspected. I'm Mm going to make sure that Mm -hmm. I have an appraisal that's active and that can be assigned to any other person. There are ways, there are means that we can um, have that due diligence done ahead of time where I'm going to open it up for five days where you can come and bring your own inspector, where yes. you can bring your own appraiser and before I'm going to accept any offers yeah. and have all of that due diligence done ahead of time. So, And we're already seeing that like right now, often exactly. in those properties that we anticipate having a multiple offer situation on, you're having a time frame where you're, okay, you can, everybody can go and do their due diligence. They have five days to come and walk the property, Mm -hmm. book a time to come and fly up here to look at the house. Mm -hmm. And if they want to do a home inspection, we just had one where the people in that time period did a home inspection before they made their offer. So that's already in place. And then we're seeing with interest rates rising, we're seeing a natural sort of the market's transitioning. Mm -hmm. We're seeing less bidding wars. So really the whole Mm -hmm. purpose for this sort of, so they, you know, is sort of changing. Absolutely. And all it does is add bureaucracy, complication, and we're going to get a worse result. Yeah, I agree. It's it's smoke and mirrors. It must be frustrating. You know, I know it's frustrating as a as a a, a citizen, you know, of of Canada yeah. looking going, okay, and and I applaud you for stepping up to the plate and getting involved in politics mm-hmm. because I'm a, a an armchair critic and I sit and I read the newspaper or watch the news on TV and I grumble and complain and I don't really do anything about it other than exercise my right to vote. Mm-hmm. You're actually putting yourself out in target practice and saying, have at her. And And I'd like to see some change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And standing up for our citizens, right? Like that's what I see my biggest role, especially in opposition, but I'd see it in any, you know, in any elected official is that my job is to take your voice and to amplify it and to make sure that it goes on record. Even if it doesn't change the bill on hand, we can go back through the record and say, why what were they, you know, what was opposition saying about this bill back then? And see, right. oh, wait, 
They predicted it wasn't going to work. That's why it's not working. Wait, there was a solution. Let's go back to that solution. Uh, and someone mm-hmm. said to me the other day, it's just so disheartening to see all these bills come into fruition and not be able to do anything about it. And I'm like, oh, no, you can do something about it. You vote differently next time because yeah. bills can be changed. Bills can be amended. Bills can be repealed. You can get different bills. But you have to have a different government that wants different things for the citizens. It's true. Right. It's really true. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about affordable housing. I think that's a hot topic that mm-hmm. that you know. I think we're we're in a crisis, honestly, and I, you know, it's it continues. So yeah, we're in a big crisis. I can't even uh, I I can't even sound the alarm bell well mm-hmm. enough um, because and uh, you know just recently in the ledge I delivered uh, an address on why we need housing affordability, why we need housing attainability, and it goes everything from you get better health outcomes to better uh, economic competitiveness, to better businesses, to, uh, you know, more, um, more uh, interaction as, uh, as residents and as community. So we absolutely, it has such a spillover effect. And I think that's why there's so much attention to it. Yeah. But, you know, you, you referenced my kids earlier and yes, they, they wouldn't fit on this couch because there's so many of them and they're so big. Um, <laughs> but, you know, age 20 to 26 and the dinner, dinner room conversations are hopelessness, right? The yep. dinner room yeah. conversations are, no, we'll never be like you. Only if we piggyback on you, only if you give us money and co-sign our loans, will we ever be able to qualify for anything. Like we can't do it on our own. Yeah. And that that hopelessness is what I feel the most urgency around. You know, just recently I had a 28-year-old physician reach out to me and say, you know, I am carrying almost $700,000 of debt after getting out of my degree. And now you want me to pay $1.1 million to have an average, <laughs> like yeah. that's the average to get into any of these communities. Um, yeah. And literally they couldn't qualify. They wow, could not qualify. I've heard of this so, too. So it's not just about, you know, and they were talking about going to the States and moving out of, that's what you I know, know, moving brain out of the community. Drain. The brain drain that we are going to see is going to be enormous. So yes, mm-hmm. I'm sounding the alarm bell. And it comes down to one thing. Yes, it's very, much more complicated in terms of how government could could affect it, but it comes down to supply. Yep. Yes. We have made the process so laborious. We have, you know, and you, you get the the good old, you know, the good old developer, um, you know, cohort that'll come in and start waxing and waning about the the good old days that you know they could walk into city hall with their plans and they'd walk out with a building permit, and you know they want those days back. Now I'm not for those days yes. necessarily, <laughs> but we need greater efficiency within yeah. our systems. If we don't, uh, you know, if we don't get product to market, it costs more money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, the 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 layering effect of costs that the cities are putting onto um, housing right now, and really, you know, you have to solve one of their issues, which is they don't know where infrastructure dollars are going to come from. If government right. solved their infrastructure dollars, they would not be taxing and new development the way that they are. But those are so costly. And I give an example. You know, a, um, a, a townhome. Not a single family home, a townhome, which is one of our most affordable modes of housing for new families and young professionals and and young families starting out. Um, but you look at that mode of housing, you're looking at about $150,000 of fees and taxation on that wow. home 
before a shovel's in the ground, before you buy the land. Wow. Right? So you, 150,000. Wow. 150, so you think about that and think about like how that's getting transferred to the end user. Mm-hmm. But the unintended consequence of needing to extract that from new development is that the townhome next to it, that's maybe 10 years old, they just got that bump. They just yes. got that increase, right? Why? Because it's now appraised at essentially the same, maybe a little yes. bit less because it's not as new, but it's about the same. Yeah. So that, you know, we keep wondering, why is everything going up in value? Why is everything going up in right. price? Well, because we're, we're, we're extracting so much from new development that as those prices go up, everything, everything. Wow. goes up. Yes. So we have to really understand why we can't just extract from new development and, yeah. and think that it's not going to have an impact. But the federal budget mm-hmm. that just came out, now I'm not a Fed, so I can't change it, just for those of your listeners yep. that want to reach out to me and ask me <laughs> to change the federal yes. budget. Um, but the federal budget that came out about housing, you know, they're, they're talking a lot about trying to increase affordable housing. Yeah. But doing so by building new houses, we don't need more competition. The market will take care of itself. We have enough developers, enough, you know, contractors mm-hmm. to take care of itself. What we need is for the feds to do what they do best, which is supply for labor well, through yes. immigration and through tactical immigration on what what trades and what you know skills we actually require as a society. And the second thing that we need are supply chains. We have right. or manufacturing within our own borders. Yes. yes. So I'm a big believer in both of those. And right now our supply chain has been so disrupted. Of course we're going to see huge increases. Uh, and yeah. the feds can affect that more than anyone else can. Right. Uh, and so that's what we need them to focus on is either, uh, you know, reinvesting in our manufacturing sector and trying to get that really stimulated and supply to ourselves or supply chain from other countries that we actually get uh, some uh, some consistency in trade mm-hmm. with, which we don't have right now. No. So those are things that the Fed should be looking after. The province should be really looking after. If we don't have enough supply, how do we incent the municipalities to get there? Yes. That's infrastructure dollars and lots of infrastructure dollars that they can rely on, on a, in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think with those two minor shifts, we would see a change. We would see an impact yes. in affordable housing. But right now, the private sector is competing with BC Housing for land, right? Yes. As soon as you have a government agency that can bid whatever they want to bid, you're not going to see land prices go down. You're not going to see the supply go up and you're not going to see affordability actually get to where we need it to be. Wow. Wow. So wow. it's certainly not something that's going to happen overnight. So no. your prediction on what we're going to see, do you have? I think interest rates are going to have a slowing effect, but again, the hope that we talked about, mm-hmm. they're not going to have any more hope. Nope. Because now they're looking at even greater costs to get into the market. Right. Um, we're going to see probably more people hold on to their products or their their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to see as much, you know, shift or change in mm-hmm. homing in home rehoming yes. themselves. Yeah. Uh, and and in doing that, you're going to see prices continue to creep. Mm-hmm. And so even with interest rates going up, I, I don't know if it will have the dampening effect that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they keep going up because of inflation, well, then we're going to have a mess on our hands. Absolutely. With people losing their homes uh, mm-hmm. who had to you know, beg, borrow, and steal to get into that that house and, and now are looking at a, a lack of affordability and what mm-hmm. they can actually pay in interest. Wow. Yeah, it's such a shame that the Canadian dream, you know, everybody, we, had, we talked about this earlier, Tamara, the white picket fence, and everybody had that mm-hmm. dream. Certainly we all did in our generation as kids growing up. Well, of course we're going to own a house, and of course we're going to have mm-hmm. a house with a white picket fence. We're going to have a yard. We're going to have, you know, two kids or 2.5 or whatever the industry, the standard is out there. 
And that's gone. And it's such a shame that, you know, so many people now grow up thinking, well, I will never own a house. Yeah. Well, and I think, it, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was, I get a, a great um, email newsletter that comes every day and it's the New York Times. And, and one of the articles, one of the links that I read was talking about the, the, uh, the high incidents, particularly in Texas, but in the U.S., with drive, not drive-by shootings, by road rage. And instead of flipping somebody the middle finger and driving on, they're pulling out their gun and shooting them. Oh. And they're, it's, it's, it's epidemic. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's, it's going on. I mean, the shootings are up dramatically over the last year. And, and, you know, they didn't just report on that. They, they tried to go deeper and say, well, why is this happening? And there's, there's a general sense of dissatisfaction, of unhappiness, mm-hmm. of hopelessness. And, you know, I, I sat here having coffee and chatting with my husband going, oh boy, I'm glad I don't live there. But, it's there could be here. You know, I'm not saying we're going to start shooting at each other, but people need to have hope. People need to have the sense of accomplishment that you did when, when you went and got that loan, Renee, and, and started Troika and did it. You know, my, my daughter, when she was young, her, I think her first sentence was do by self (laughs) and and Alexa master do by self. And we all need to have that sense of do by self. And if we're taking that away from people, what is that going to do to our future? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we need to look at, uh, yes, it's not going to change overnight, but it can change if we do the right things and move things mm-hmm. forward, mm-hmm. right? It, it can change if we if we stop walking in the direction that we're walking in and walk in a different ge- direction and mm-hmm. towards, you know, housing affordability. Um, and, you know, when we talk about how much it affects you're right. It does affect mm-hmm. so much more than just, oh, well, where you live. Now you're in a, you know, you're in a rental or you're, no, it's, it's how's our housing affordability is unaffordable in every, in every shape, whether it's in, you know, our rental homes or whether yeah. it's in the, the for sale. So I know we focused on for sale, but we could just as easily have focused on, on the rental aspect. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say too, is it does affect your mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, it does affect our transportation. It affects how, how long we're in a vehicle how much we're commuting, mm-hmm. you know, to get from our home to our work, it affects then the erosion of our family life and how much time we're able to spend with our kids. Because now we live farther away from where they are and where they go to school and where we work. And, you know, I've mm-hmm. got a, a friend who lives up north. So you think, oh, everything's close by and up north. No, she drives 20 minutes away to get to daycare to only drive, you know, 40 minutes to get to her work to then drive, wow. like, you know, back that whole route to get home. Mm-hmm. And you think, yes, transportation, yes, mental health, yes, erosion of family. How about our environment? Yes. Like, yes. yes. We've that got has taken a back burner with COVID. But totally. And then the, we've the got environment hasn't sitting. gone away. It's It's gotten worse. Totally. And then you've got people sitting in cars. Because that's how they're having to transport themselves, you know. And and yeah, it'd be great if we all lived in downtown Vancouver and could just, you know, walk take everywhere. that sky train or walk, <laughs> and you know, it'd be fantastic. But that's not the reality, and that's not the reality for people who work downtown Vancouver either. Just to, you know, go to the George Massey Tunnel at any given moment uh, during true. the workday, or uh, try and get a, across the Second Narrows Bridge. So you know, I think we need to 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 shake ourselves a little bit. We yeah. what we are doing is not working. The, this NDP government does not have a plan to make it actually affordable. And for the last five years they've tried, it has failed. We need to acknowledge that and move forward with a different plan and a different way forward mm-hmm. and try and get the, the feds on board with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, well said. Very, Very well, said. well said. It actually it gives me some hope. <laughs> Sitting here and listening to you, it it gives me hope. And, and I hope mm-hmm. our listeners feel that same sense of, 
hey, there is actually something we can do. We don't have to just stand by idly and and think, well, this is the way it is. Boy, I'm sure glad I got a house. And, yes. and yet I, I do think that there's that among us. You know, I think that's perhaps that's human nature or what have you that, well, I got in, pity the the others who who yeah. can't until I need them to help me when I'm in the hospital, until I mm-hmm. need them to fix my car, until I need them to deliver the groceries, you know? Absolutely. Well, and I'll raise one more point because so far I've also talked about the younger families and the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Our seniors are in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing more and more senior poverty because of housing unaffordability. Yeah. So as much as we need this for our next generation that's coming in, we also need this for our seniors. And uh, and right now it's a huge factor. So housing affordability, I, like I'm sounding the alarm bell and I'm saying there is a fix. There is work to be done and we can make it better and we can solve it. But we have to do it in a, in a, in a collaborated fashion. and timely fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Mood for thought. Mm-hmm. It's you're you're very inspiring. We're we're fortunate <laughs> yes. to have you. To, oh, you know, to, you to be our voice. You yeah. know, yeah. To, for people to be able to reach out to. So I guess mm-hmm. you know that is something. You know, people can reach yes. out to you. They can share. Right. They're absolutely, absolutely. I welcome it. Um, you know, email me, text me, call me. Uh, How I, can we find you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I obviously email. I'm I'm readily available on website, etc. Uh, I'm also on all the social media channels and I, it's me that answers you. So if you message me through Instagram or Facebook, it's me on the other end of that. So be gentle too, (laughs) but I love hearing from people. I love meeting people. Um, that is the voice that is the voice that I'm carrying forward. So, and carrying into Victoria. So, um, yeah, love to hear it and, and love to be a part of it. Wow. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. So that's Renee Merrifield. If, uh, if yeah. you can't find her, find us, and we'll help you get to her. <laughs> and one quick question before yeah. we close off. And uh, so thank you. But wondering one quick question. What are you reading right now? What is on your nightstand? Oh, great book. Uh, Simon Sinek, oh. The Infinite Game. Oh. So it's his brand new book. Uh, and basically he says he's going from uh, um, a perspective of winners and losers to a, a perspective of collaboration and vision and values and how everyone can move together and not in a, like everyone gets a participation award, yeah. but that everyone wins together and everyone keeps oh, winning together. Oh, so what a great infinite message. game. It's all a game. Okay. Yeah, well, leadership and vision. Download yeah. that one. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you again so much. And thanks it's, to all of you for joining us today. We will see you next time. Real estate for real people. Thanks for listening to this episode of real estate for real people. If you want to reach out to the Stone Sisters, visit www.stonesisters.com. This podcast was produced by Podigy Podcasts. See you next time.